That's it. Okay, good. Good evening, everyone. Welcome. We uh, apologize again, especially for those of you who didn't hear the, hear the first apology about the discrepancy of the start time. Uh, so um, I'll be like the throwaway. We hope uh, by the time I finish my introduction, uh, those who are coming at, the, at their nusach of when they should come uh, will come and not miss anything of the major presentation tonight. So first of all, I just want to begin by uh, thanking Rabbi Foxbrenner for arranging this series. Um, Rabbi Foxbrenner, as you know, is uh, constantly generating different programs for the shul, uh, and particularly when it comes to marriage, he and his wife have been very involved in um, facilitating all kinds of formats for us to deal with uh, one of the most <laughs> critical aspects of our lives, which is our relationships. I also want to thank Dr. Feldman for being available. Thank you very much for making yourself available. We know that your time is, is very, very uh, precious, and, uh, and uh, night times are also very important to you and uh, you're giving them to us, so we thank you very much. Um, and, and I just want to pause for a minute for us to appreciate that as a community, as a shul, we have programs like this in which we actually not only come to, to learn together and to daven together, but we also come together to, uh, to deal with life together. Um, it's not just that we come individually to hear what is being, what, uh, to hear various thoughts and important uh, approaches, attitudes, techniques, insights, uh, self-awareness, but we do it together. Uh, and that's an important dimension of the life that we share, that we're in a community where we have a common language, where these kinds of things are, are significant to us and important, and we embrace them. So it's, um, it's a pleasure to be able to, uh, to see this kind of a thing happen in the show. Um, uh, before I turn this over to, to Aaron, tonight is really going to be uh, Dr. Feldman's presentation. Many of you probably already know that Dr. Feldman has really done a fantastic job in presenting the uh, five love languages and um, his reputation precedes him. But before I turn it over to him, I just want to make a comment or two about the whole concept of language in relationship. Um, as soon as we talk about language, we're talking about responsibility. We're talking about a person being thoughtful and actually being interested in what he or she is saying and not just saying with words, because as we know, language is not just words, but language is also actions or inaction, um, uh, facial uh, communication. There are all kinds of languages. Um, and um, uh, when we're talking about that kind of communication, we're talking about somebody behind it. And that means that somebody is actually being responsible and making choices. So uh, if you think about it in relationships, the, to the degree that a person takes responsibility in a relationship, to that degree a relationship is possible. To the degree that a person isn't, doesn't see him or herself as, as responsible, to that degree they can't be counted on in relationship. And we all know the extreme example of somebody who says, well, that's just the way I am. That kind of a person is somebody who is sim simply saying, you can't count on me for anything. I'm just, just the way I am and I'm not responsible for what happens in relationship with me because that's just the way I am. So when we, when, we, when we talk about language, we're talking about the most unique aspect of the human consciousness, and we're talking about the ability of a human being to be responsible, and that's what makes relationships so potent, uh, so fulfilling, and so frustrating because it really goes to the core of what it is to be a human being. Uh, finally, just an observation, 
Um, the ultimate uh, metaphor for the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klai Yisrael is the Shir Hashirim, the Song of Songs, which is a love song, meaning that the language of love is the language that HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klai Yisrael have with each other and dance with each other. And if you look at Shir Hashirim carefully, you will notice that it is not um, a, a, an entirely uplifting song, meaning that there are problems, there are challenges. The lover in Shir Hashirim isn't always so cooperative, isn't really playing by the expectations of the other. And you could even say that we have love languages that, uh, that form the relationship that we have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu with us. And both parties, quote unquote, take responsibility, I'll say Kavayochel for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but both parties take responsibility uh, for uh, the way that they broadcast the love and the relationship that they have with each other and the level of, the level of care and choice that they have in it. So um, when we're talking about love, we're really talking about something as holy as possible, something that actually goes to the inner sanctum of, uh, of the human heart and of relationships. And uh, uh, I'm, I think we're all fortunate that we have the resource that we have here in our community, Dr. Feldman. Uh, it makes a tremendous difference to, to, to our community. And uh, Aaron, thank you so much for uh, making yourself available. And we are eager to hear you tonight. Thank you. OK. Thank you all, all for coming. I think in future weeks, it's going to be more of a partnership. But I told him I'm the only way I'm going to do this is that the first time he lets me talk the entire time. <laughs> but it's not really true. I didn't say that. But um, it, it, so it, it, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And and uh, as you can see, there are two more topics for men that are coming up. And uh, I, I would like to start with uh, a sincere tefillah and a sincere expression of what I hope that I hope that in some ways that Rabbi Feldman and I can be zolche in, in increasing the shalom that exists in relationships in this community. And to have the seyata deshmai to do that, it, it, that would be an amazing source and a wonderful thing to be a part of. And, and, um, and if, if, if we're not, it's not my fault. <laughs> That's also, I'm trying to model both sides of the equation. OK. Um, but it's predictable. It's predictable. I omitted one thing, which is, first of all, the five love languages, a special Please Jewish stay. marriage initiative edition that uh, Rabbi Mordechai Pollack uh, worked so hard and forwarded is available for sale over here at a very, very reasonable price, by the way. And we just want to call your attention to the fact that Rabbi Pollack, of course, has been and continues to be involved and committed uh, to developing uh, Shalom Bias in this community and in communities around the country. We offer, we offer him a tremendous yashakalach. Thank you. Sure, sure. OK. Um, so uh, the, we, the, um, there are a couple of people I have an over-under with in terms of the line for how many interruptions um, Rabbi Feldman is going to do in this over-under. And the betting line has not closed. There's four minutes before that. <laughs> He is very brave for actually doing this with me because he knows that sometimes I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. Um, 
but but I want to get right to the content. To me, this is an, it's a nice topic. It's an easy topic. Um, it, you know, when it, it, for those of you, by a quick raise of hand, how many are familiar with the five love languages? You've been exposed to it. So many of you are. You know them, and maybe you have found them useful in your relationships. I have found that in my practice, um, that when I work with couples, I'm saying, come on. Uh, over 90%, if not all, of the, the couples I work with, at some point early in my work with them, I'm teaching them the five love languages. What I have found is very often when people are stuck, and you can get mired in being stuck, but that sometimes when you help people focus on an easy way of kind of framing and understanding how to show love to their spouse in a positive way, you know, using the analogy of putting money in the bank, but very often when you create an atmosphere where each spouse is feeling loved, it becomes sometimes much easier to work on the areas where they're stuck, and sometimes it actually just makes it that they're not stuck, and suddenly those areas don't seem to be so important and salient anymore. And so it's just a lovely, lovely tool framework that I think is easy to comprehend. Um, you have to work to understanding it and get to a deeper understanding, so I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing with you. It's, 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 a, it's a lot of fun. And I think that the way to, that I'd like to start is that you know, one aspect or one feature of a healthy relationship is when each individual is committed to meeting the needs of their spouse and, when, the other, and the, when they feel that their needs are being met, right? When each one of us in a relationship feels love. So the premise of this idea is, well, if we each want to show love that, and we each want to give love, is that very often, you know, the, he, he discusses that in the beginning of a relationship, you know, people talk about romantic love, you fall in love, that that romantic love, that high, is really biologically or naturally only lasts between about six to 18 months, depending on the person, right? And then he says, after that period of time, once you've decided to be with your spouse, then every day you're with your spouse, you have a choice. You can either love your spouse that day or not. And if you decide to act in a loving manner, then you will stay in love. There will be a feeling, an atmosphere of love in your relationship. If you don't, then you won't have it. But the problem occurs is that very often is that the way one person expresses love is not the way the other one understands or feels love, using the analogy of language. So if I tell my wife in flowery Italian, all the time how much I love her. And she doesn't speak a word of Italian, right? She may be able to tell I'm saying something nice, but it's not going to have the impact that I'm wanting it to. It's not going to be reciprocated. It's not going to hit home because we speak different languages, right? And so that eventually, if I keep showing love and it's not being acknowledged or it doesn't seem like it's hitting home, and I never hear in flowery Italian how much she loves me, so then my love tank is empty and it keep, gets hard to keep giving and showing that love. So when we talk about the five love languages, I think it'll become clear the idea that it's very often you'll see couples who feel like they're constantly saying, I do so much for my spouse or I show love so much for us, they never acknowledge it, I don't feel appreciated, and then they feel depleted. How come it's not being noticed? How come it's not being acknowledged? And vice versa. And I think that very often, when I see couples, is they're both wanting to show each other love. They're just frustrated because they feel like it's not hitting home, it hasn't been appreciated, and they're not getting the love they want back. So when we start talking about the five love languages, we are going to jump right in and go through them, right? I think that the idea that we're talking will be become clear. So there are five. If you're here with your spouse, if you're not here with your spouse, it's fine. But you know, the way I want you to think about when we go through the five is most people have two, right? Of the five, they have two that are really on the top that really are their primary. They're all very nice. 
And so I want you to think about this after you go through the five. What are your top two? And what do you think your spouse's top two are? And then afterwards, when you tell them and you get it wrong, you can fight about how it's possible you didn't know. Okay? But you'll be surprised how natural, how much confusion sometimes there can be. And sometimes, by the way, it's not as simple to identify our own love languages, but we'll, 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 we'll work through it and we'll take some questions around that and, and, you know, at the end. So let's just start with um, uh, one love language. The first love language, just actually just talked about it with a client today, right? Because one of the things that he expressed was he feels like he does so much for his wife and he never feels like she acknowledges, doesn't feel like she appreciates it, doesn't. And so the first love language we're going to talk about is something called words of affirmation. If your love language is words of affirmation, you feel loved when your spouse expresses that love through expressing words, compliments, affirmations, appreciation, where they tell you, thank you so much for everything you do. You're amazing, right? You look beautiful. You are so good with the kids. I'm really lucky to be with you. Wow, it's amazing how much time and energy you give to the community. As long as it's not followed, it'd be nice if you spend some time at home. <laughs> right? But it, that the idea being, right, that people very often feel loved when they feel like their contributions are being acknowledged and their husband and wife is expressing it by words. I mean, I haven't done this in a while, but I actually have many years ago would tap my wife on the shoulder and say, Devar, she what? I go, I'd really love it if you worship me more. <laughs> and she'd just say, I know. Okay, that was fine. But I'm saying, right, meaning that might be, but that's, you know, notice me and notice my accomplishments. And there are different dialects within certain languages, meaning different words of affirmation will work with some people and, and won't work with others. There's a couple that I remember that I work with, um, not in this community, not a Jewish couple. And they hadn't been married that long. They did not have children. And identified with them that we were pretty sure one of his love languages words of affirmation. So she was making an effort to give him words of affirmation. As she happened to come for a session, he wasn't able to make it. He had a work conflict. And so I said, how's it going? She goes, you know, I don't think you're right. I don't think these words of affirmations is really what he likes. I go, I was pretty sure I wasn't wrong. I mean, it's possible. It's, it's happened twice. I said, but, but that, I was pretty sure that that's what it is. I said, well, what are you saying? So she said to me, well, on Saturdays, he, he volunteers and he coaches peewee football. And he is really good with the kids. And I, first of all, have been really telling him how amazing it is, because he works hard during the week, how amazing it is that he gives up his time to these kids and how great it is that he does it. And I just, and I go with him to watch him coach and I just tell him how good he is with the kids. She goes, right. So I think I, I knew why. So when he came the following session, I said, well, let's ask him. So I said, have you noticed that your wife's really been laying it on? He said, I go, do you like it? He goes, well, it's better than the attorney. Right? And she was like, well, that's not what I'm looking for. I said, OK, so then tell her. I said, we were, we were pretty sure that words of affirmation would be something that would, you know, would work. She said, well, he, he said, well, to tell you the truth, he turned to her. He goes, I already know it's great that I volunteer for Pee Wee football because I know I'm good with the kids. He said, what I'd really like to hear is how my place in your life impacts you and to know that my presence in your life is having a positive impact on you. That's what I'd love to hear. So that's a different dialect, words of affirmation, right? Acknowledging, whereas for some people, telling your spouse, wow, you know, if, 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 you know, if you're married to somebody in Clay Coders in the Rabbinate, your students are really lucky. It's amazing how dedicated you are. You know, your congregation is, I know how much you care. I see what you do, the work you put in, 
right? What a schos, it's unbelievable. That also is words of affirmation. So the first love language, words of affirmation, okay? Next, and by the way, obviously some people don't need that as much. Nice, but they don't need it. We'll talk, maybe we'll talk about it later. And by the way, if for some of you who sometimes try and compliment stereotypically your wife every once in a while and you try words of affirmation and they brush it off, it doesn't mean their love language isn't words of affirmation. They're just making it a little harder. But that's something important. All right, let's go to another one. If another love language, let's say, is something called quality time. If your love language is quality time, you feel loved when your spouse shows love by giving you the gift of time. So gift of time could be, you know, our lives are busy, you don't see each other during the day, at the end of the day, you know, you're laying in bed and maybe, you know, you're playing on your phone, you're on your laptop, you're just trying to chill, and your spouse comes into the room, and, and you know, who has energy at that time of night, and you close your laptop, you put it down your phone, and you say, sweetie, I feel like we've been busy all day, I would just love to connect with you just for a few minutes, hear how your day was, tell me what's going on. If your, if your wife or your husband's love language is quality time, then they are going to feel loved. Right? They're going to feel loved because you gave them the gift of time, the gift of attention, and really focused on what they were saying. You took an interest. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. You just have to actually make eye contact. Right? So if you are, one of you is, you know, is working on one side of town and you're driving by your spouse's office, you say, you know, by the way, I had a meeting on your side of town. I'm going to be driving by your office. If you want to meet at that Starbucks, I've got 10 minutes. If, if, if your spouse's love language is quality time, they're going to feel loved because you made spending time with them a priority and you stole some time because you just wanted to be with them. Now, I want to just show you, we'll talk about this more, how language is natural and language is, is cultural and that if your love language isn't the same as your spouse's, you're going to interpret the bid, the request for love, the offer of love incorrectly. So I'm going to share with you a personal example, which when I share with you, all of you may feel like, why would we listen to a lecture from him about marriage and you might walk out, which is justified. right? But, but it, you'll hear this because this is what would go on in my house Early on, you know, early on is very relative. It might have taken me like 19 years to learn. We're not sure. But I'm saying, right, we say early on is Devorah one of her love languages. One of my wife, she told me not to mention her by name, but my wife, one of my wife's <laughs> love, right? Because nobody would know, right? No, so one of my wife's love languages, right, is, is quality time. Clearly, that might not be mine. Because early in marriage, we got married. Young, we moved here, I was in school, had a schedule, and I'm organized, I like to cut coupons, so one of the ways I would contribute is by doing a lot of the grocery shopping, which she was very happy and appreciative of. And so every once in a while, though, she would say, Aaron, I'm going to Kroger, do you want to come? Now, you won't be able to guess my reaction. My reaction was to get annoyed. You might think, why? Because I thought she was being passive-aggressive. I'd say, Devorah, if you want me to go to Kroger, why don't you just ask? And she'd look at me like I was an idiot, which in this case was 100% accurate, and say, I don't want you to go to Kroger. I'm going. I want to know if you want to come. And I said to her, understand, if you're going, why would I go? She goes, fine, don't go. And I'm like, hey, I'm a good husband. I can tell. I can sense. She's annoyed. <laughs> I'll go. I said, you know what? I'm going to go. She goes, you don't have to go. I go, no, I'm coming. <laughs> so we walk into Kroger, right? And I say, Devorah, can you give me half the list? And she says, no, I want you to do it with me. And I said, but then it'll take twice the time. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, some of us learn quicker than others, but the point being, if you think about it, because for me, going to Kroger is a task, it's about efficiency, it's about accomplishing the task, but for her, that was an opportunity for me to make her feel loved. Now, we've learned. She doesn't say, Aaron, I'm going to Kroger, you want to come. She's saying, Aaron, I, I'm going so-and-so, I'd love it if you'd keep me company. And I've learned from here to not listen. It makes no difference where she's going. I don't think about when she said, you know, if somebody says to you, do you want to go to the ballet? Do you want to go to this? You're thinking, do you want? No, it, the destination is irrelevant. When, if I'm asked, do you want to keep me company, then I know what's at stake is I have an opportunity to make my, life, my wife feel loved and feel cared for. And for whatever reason, if I walk aimlessly through the aisles with her of Kroger, she is going to feel closer to me and our marriage is going to be better. As long as I don't criticize and say, I understand, if you would just do this in order, we wouldn't have to be walking back and forth. <laughs> no, that's not the time. Right? So that's the point. The point being is that is quality time. And there's, there's a point where is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only exaggerating a little, but meaning if you're, that's not what your love language is, then your spouse is going to be showing you bits and thinking they're asking you for love, asking you for connection, and you're not going to pick up on it. You're not going to miss it. And so we go to the next one. The next love language is something called acts of service. If your love language is acts of service, you feel loved when your spouse shows that love by thinking of you, paying attention to you, and doing something that makes your life easier. You know, if you're in a rush, you have a meeting, and your, your spouse says, sweetie, I put your briefcase, your papers, your file that you were working on, your coffee, it's right by the door, it's all ready, I know you're in a rush. You're going to feel loved because your spouse thought of you, right? Am I moving too much? So, no, it's okay, right? Your wife, your wife thought of you, right, and did something to make your life easier, right? So, you know, there was the, he talks about in the book, you know, the, the, he said he met this couple where he said the husband seemed to have the least personality of any man he ever met. Like that's, I mean, come on, there's got to be a lot of competition for that. But I'm saying, but right, <laughs> but, he said, so, but he said, right, was, you know, this person like was not warm, not this, and I don't know what they were meeting with him, but he asked the wife, like, why does your marriage work? She goes, what do you mean? I, I could tell he loves me. Well, why? Because every time there's a light bulb that needs to be changed, any time something needs to be done in the house, I ask him, he does it, right? So they got lucky. Her love language was acts of service, and, and he was really good at that because he sure wasn't giving words of affirmation, right? But if your love language is so, if you're, you know, um, call your spouse and you say, you know, we're go you know that bar mitzvah, the, 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 the thing we're going to tonight, I was actually had a meeting at this side of town, and I picked up the, the, the outfit from the dry cleaners that you wanted to wear. You don't have to run out and do that. So if your wife's love language is, is acts of service, right, then she is going to feel loved right, because you thought about her and you made her life easier. Whereas some people, acts of service are just practical things that need to get done in life and they're appreciated, but they don't speak to intimacy, they don't speak to love, i.e. in my marriage. Meaning that early in marriage, here's what would happen, Devorah, or my wife, that not Mrs. Feldman would go, and not that, you know, oh, this is too confusing, right, that, right? My wife would go to a meeting, right, and I'd say to the kids, okay, guys, Let's surprise mommy, okay? I'm gonna go do everything in the kitchen. You guys put away the clothes and everything. Do rooms. When the mommy comes home, the room, the house will be perfect, right? Now, she'd appreciate that. That's nice. But if I wanted to do something for our intimacy, for our connection, for our feelings of closeness, I would've been better off trashing the house, writing a little note on a napkin, and putting a Hershey's kiss on her pillow. That would've done a lot more. What I was doing was I what I would've liked. I was giving acts of service. Right? 
Again, appreciated, but not an expression of intimacy, of closeness, of something that makes my wife feel connected to me. Now, I told her there's, it's a learning disability. It should, because I'm really good at it, and it's her problem. But no, that's really not what we're supposed to do. The point being, right, is we're supposed to figure out. We're supposed to grow. We stretch ourselves to understand you know, an analogy I sometimes give when, I, when, when couples, are, I talk about trying to learn your spouse's love language. I say, you know, let me ask you a question. I'll say, you know, if your wife asks you to, you know, to, to scratch her back, she can't reach you. Are you going to scratch it if you can, right? You'll scratch it, right? And then we'll have another one to answer. I get two birds in the And then she says, okay, no, lower, lower, lower. Is your response going to be, stop being so critical, just be happy and scratching your back? No, you're going to say, where, where, where? Right? Because you want to get where it itches. Think about the love languages that way. Sometimes, you know, we do something, oh, you didn't do anything. How about that? I'm, I'm showing you love. Why don't you? No, no, think about it. Your goal is to get where it itches. And the only way you get where it itches is if you actually keep scratching and you try and figure it out. Or sometimes just ask. But, you know, we see sometimes that we, we get so discouraged when something we do doesn't work. Well, maybe you didn't get where it itches. Maybe you're speaking the wrong language. Right? And that's actually an analogy where I sometimes, for example, words of affirmation. When I'm asking, when we figure out, we assume that one couple, and I want them to encourage us, so I'll tell the spouse, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give your spouse three words of affirmation a day until our next session, which you think about, it's a total investment of like 42 seconds, right? I want one to be a text, because I think what I've heard now in today's days, people text. That's what I've heard. I don't know. It's hard for me. I can't see so well. But I'm saying that texting is something people do. My kids tell me, right? So, you, you know, there's a, one should be a text, and, and the other two should be in person, either on the phone or directly in front. I said, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to do research. I said, I, when you come back, and the spouse is in front of me. I mean, they're both there. I'll say, when you come back, I want you to actually tell me which type of words of affirmation hit home. Meaning, I want you to figure out what dialect, what variation. Were there ones that you noticed worked better? Were there ones that didn't? Because what that does, it sets them up to not feel frustrated when they, you know, they, they're trying and it doesn't work or it doesn't go over well. Because I'm actually asking them and saying, hey, right, see if you can figure out where it itches, figure out what her dialect is. And it's a lot of fun when I ask, the couples come back and I say, okay, you did it. Did it? I'll sometimes ask, you know, if let's say the husband's working and then I'll turn to the wife, I'll say, did he do it? And she'll say, he did. And I said, how'd that feel? She goes, great. I said, okay, we're ready for the question? Yes. So I said, well, then I'll always ask, do you appreciate the fact that he made an effort there? Yes. I said, okay, now let's have some fun. And I'll say to him, I said, okay, if you were to guess which of your comments over the week do you think really hit home? And it's always fun to watch that interchange. You know, like if they get it, they don't get it. But that makes it fun. It, makes, it takes a lot of the tension out, right? You're learning a new language. It's going to be awkward, right? I, I'm working with this with a couple now where the husband is not expressive. He says he's uncomfortable, right? He says part of his problem in giving words of affirmation is he feels like it doesn't, it comes out forced. So I said, well, do you mean it? He said, yes. I go, so what's forced? He goes, it's not that I don't express myself that way. I said, well, have you ever tried to learn a new language? I said, if you're not willing to break your teeth and make it sound forced, and you're never going to learn it. So I mean, like, I remember when I, I went to American uh, you know, yeshiva after high school, and, 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 and you know, I, where they, you know, all the shoe in English and English, and I had friends who went, right? And they went, and they, like, I, my roommate, my first year in Eretz he was like, I'm in Eretz I'm going to, by the time I leave here, I'm going to be speaking Hebrew fluently. I said, good luck. You want to break your teeth on that? Great. I said, everybody here speaks English, right? I go into the Makolot, I can ask for what I want in English, and then I get it. 
as long as I'm full, I'll be happy, right? So my friend learned Hebrew much faster. I didn't because I was, didn't want to break my teeth on it. I didn't want it, you know, like it was harder. Had to make an effort. It's similar when you're learning a new language. It's okay if it does, it comes out a little choppy. Okay, so what have we done? We've done three different love languages, right? Words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service. Any questions about any of those three? There's two more, if my, if my math is correct. Okay, um, did I do enough of a job with acts of service? We're good with that, okay? So next love language is something called receiving gifts. So if your love language is receiving gifts, you feel loved when your spouse shows that love, right, by giving a gift. A gift doesn't have to be a, a very expensive piece of jewelry, right? A gift could be a piece of chocolate. I know the kind when we were dating, what type of chocolate my wife liked, and then suddenly I didn't see them as much, but if I'm in a store, if I'm in a BP, and I see them, oh, three for a dollar, I can come home at the end of the day and say, hey, Devar, I got you, I got you a gift. I spent a dollar seven, depending on which county you're in, right? And, and I said, oh, and I gave her, it, but if her, her love language is receiving gifts, she feels loved because I thought about it and I expressed it in a gift, right? And, and so is by thinking about it, and here's the thing when we talk about cultural, and, and gifts and language, love language. I would like to say, you know, I would say beware of the therapist that talks about his relationship with his own mother. I happen to be very close with my mother, right? However, she can call me a month after my birthday and say, hey, Aaron, did I forget your birthday again? And I go, yeah, mom, I've been waiting by the phone. I, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's, it's not, whereas my mother-in-law in the 28 years, 20, almost 29 years we've been married, once did my birthday card come a day late, once. Right? She doesn't forget anybody's birthday. It's neurotic. Okay, no, it's not neurotic. It's beautiful. It's, right? It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's right? But that's true. In other words, you see that what's emphasized, how love is expressed, how love is communicated. And so what I find is interesting. So how many of you, when you think about getting a gift for your spouse, view it like this? Whether it's Hanukkah, anniversary, birthday, excuse my French, but getting these occasions are just an opportunity to screw up. Anybody think like that? Okay, I'm with you, right? <laughs> I've learned, right? If usually if you think that way, that means receiving gifts is not your love language. Because if receiving gifts is your love language, then buying a gift for your spouse is fun. It's exciting. Because it's the same way if your love language, like when I shared with you that story about, okay, if, if my wife's going out of the house, has a meeting, okay, guys, let's go around. You're, I'm going to clean this part of the house. You guys do this, and it'll be great, right? You know, if you're in the mood to show love, you're excited, you're motivated, you're into it, right? Because you know it's an expression of love, right? But if you, when you're feeling that gifts is just an opportunity to mess up and get it wrong, oh, boy, I'm never going to get it right. Here we go again, right? Then you're feeling it's a burden, and you're going to mess up. That's because that's not your love language. If, you, if, if, if giving gifts was an expression of love, you would actually see it as an opportunity to be fun, right? I mean, unless you were married to somebody who was just absolutely never was happy with anything, right? Okay, so then maybe we'd get old, right? No, I just want to see who looks at each other. I know, so. <laughs> we'll talk later. Okay, right, but, but that's, that's receiving gifts, and it's such a powerful, powerful thing about receiving gifts. My wife said it to me best. I'm no different than any husband when I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm like a deer in headlights. I, you know, it doesn't make a difference what I do for a living. I'm like ho hoping, oh my gosh, I hope this isn't so bad. But some, one time she comes over to me, she goes, Aaron, you know how I spend a lot of time thinking about what to get you, like for Hanukkah, your birthday, and stuff like that? I'm like, uh-huh, that's about it. Uh-huh. And she goes, 
Well, do you know what I realized? Uh-uh. Because I realized that you don't care. But I like the things you get. No, I think she goes, no, no, I know you do, because you use them. But, but what I realize is you don't care. I'm really getting confused here. She's like, the words seem like she'd be mad, but she didn't seem mad. I didn't, she goes, but I realized, I said, okay, she goes, no, what I realize is, you're the type of person that if you need something, you'll get it, and it doesn't give you any joy or make you feel good at all to receive it in the form of a gift. <coughs> Practically, you like to get it. And she said, and so you don't really care. And I thought, but again, I thought I was in trouble. I said, but, but, but I like the stuff you give. She goes, oh, I know. I don't think you're listening to me. I go, I'm in trouble for that, too. <laughs> I said, no, no, I write. I write. So what's going on? I'm all confused. So she says, but do you know why I do it? So I said, because you love me? And she's like, well, yeah, but do you know why I do this? Why? She goes, because that's what I like. What I realize is you don't actually care. She said, from now on, right, when it comes to Hanukkah, birthdays, and stuff like that, we're going to save money, and I'm not going to get you anything. I'm like, okay. And she goes, see? Like, oh, no, 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 I mean, wrong answer. I know it. She was right. Meaning, I think she goes, but here, but listen to this, Aaron. You've got to do a better job doing it for me. And when she said it that way, it really resonated. She was right. Meaning, in other words, that's how I looked at it. It was like just pressure. Whereas, you know, when you think about it, and you say, wait a minute, this is an opportunity to make my spouse feel really good. So then, then it's a fun activity. Right? Even if it's not something you like, even if it's something you don't care about, you can learn that language. Okay? So we have something as receiving gifts. We've got four. We're down to one more, right? Eric? Yes? Why do we call it receiving gifts? Oh, what, what? Uh, be, uh, meaning, you're asking about the Bimidaik and the Lushan. Yeah, meaning the receiving gifts. So uh, I, I don't know. I'll, I, we, I would imagine because um, it's what makes a person feel loved. Yes, it is also the way a person show love can be giving gifts, but we're talking about the language is really focusing on the, re the recipient, how it makes a person feel, right? Your goal is to figure out what, where it itches for your spouse, okay. right? And okay, so then, good. So then now the next love language is something called physical touch, right? So if, you, if your love language is physical touch, you feel loved when your spouse expresses that for, through a warm and tender touch. And we're not talking about just you know, sexual intimacy. We're talking about you know, a squeeze of the hand. So it's like I sometimes say if you're, you know, if you're sitting at, at, at the table, you're paying bills, and your husband or wife comes behind you and kind of squeezes your shoulders, kisses you in the back of the head, says, I love you. I call that a drive-by. Just takes like <laughs> four seconds, right? And right, if your love language is physical touch, you feel warm and tender. It, just, it can change how you feel for the next hour. Whereas I have spouses who tell me like this, they use words like, you know, if I'm sitting, if I'm washing dishes or I'm paying bills, I never know when my husband or my wife is going to grow at me. Okay, right? I'm saying, meaning why? And, and they might be fine. Their intimacy, their privacy must be fine. Might be fine, right? But what it's expressing is that person's love language is not physical touch. When they're doing something and somebody comes and gives them a bear hug or squeezes their shoulders, they see that as an intrusion. And it doesn't mean they're not attracted to their spouse, and it doesn't mean they don't love their spouse. It means they don't like to be touched unless they know it's coming and there's like actually an invitation in an itinerary. <laughs> right? But what's and that's but that and that is the way some people are. You know, there's I always find that when I've got couples in my office and, and a, a tender or sweet moment comes up, there's always one spouse that might reach over and put their, you know, take their their spouse's hand or put their hand on their spouse's knee. Usually it's that spouse, right, who is um, actually Right, 
the physical touch. I mean, I gave, I gave, this, I gave this workshop once um, several, several years ago, and then I bumped into this couple later. They, they, were, I, they were just, I mean, comedic. I don't really know how else to say it, but I don't know if they're still married now, but they were very funny, and they were like, they just, they said, Aaron, you saved our marriage. I was like, well, I'm really happy about it. They're like, no, you don't understand. They, and then the wife says, you know, you don't understand. He was driving me crazy. She said, like, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, I know it, I'm rigid, I'm uptight. Is that what you just said? She goes, and so like, but my husband is like, no matter what I was doing, if I was in the house, if I was paying bills, if I was saying, when she used the word, she was like, if I'm walking by him with the thing of laundry, he's got to reach over and, 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 squeeze, and squeeze me and squeeze my shoulder or, 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 or lean over and try to give me a kiss. And I'm like, don't you see? I'm carrying laundry. Why do you always have to do that, right? And, like, and, like, and then he said, right, no, she's right. I would always be doing it. And I would say, you know, I just want her to see how much I love her, and I don't understand why she's not reciprocating, so let me do it more so it gets through, <laughs> right? And she said, I don't want to do it because I didn't want to do it because I don't want to encourage him, right? So she said they came out of my workshop, and here was their interchange. He turned to her and he said, sweetie, I promise you, from this day forward, I will never touch you again. <laughs> she said, thank you. That is so sweet. And I will make more of an effort to touch you. And so I said, well, how's that working? And she said, he's doing a much better job of it than I am. She said, he is really, I don't ever feel like I'm going to be invaded. Like, he doesn't. I, you know, she's, but sometimes, you know, he's, at the end of the day, he's tired. He's sitting on the couch and I'll walk by him and then I'll remember, oh, just lost an opportunity, and I have to remind myself to go back. And she goes, all I can do is lean over, put my hands on the knees, kiss him on the forehead, and he's in such a much better mood. Because his love language is physical touch. And just, you know, I always think about it, you know, put money in the meter. You know, think about the love language. All you have to do is put a nickel, a quarter in the meter, and you can park with your spouse the rest of your life. Right? Just keep putting money in the meter, and, and, and they'll feel loved. Right? And those are the five love languages. So the question, though, that very often comes out is so, how do you know what your love language is? When you think about it here, you don't have to tell me what they are, but, if, but for those of you who are familiar with it, not familiar with it, whatever, but when you hear the five languages, do you instantly know what your top two are? How many of you know what your top two are right away? I'm not going to call on him and you. I know that you realize I'm not so dependable, so you may not want to take that risk. But okay, <laughs> you know me at all. Like I say, okay, no, no, I won't single any of you out. But then I actually will. So smart people, right? Okay, but some of you, you have maybe never been at one of my talks before. Okay, right. So okay, so um, right. So it, it, it sometimes and, and so it can be confusing, and sometimes it takes a while. So what's what's some of the ways that you can actually? And I you know, I wrote down like some of the ways you can figure it out. Um, so one of the ways, actually, that I think works is think about when you are motivated to show love, what's your first instinct to do, right? Before you knew what your spouse's love language was, right, you know, and by the way, it's not just with your spouse. Sometimes you can learn it by the way you are with other people, meaning what is your natural tendency when you are showing love, when you want to make somebody in your life, you, you know, to care about what do you, what's your go-to move, what, how do you do it, right? So that very often tells you what your love language is. Right? That's one, 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 one aspect. Another thing is, to fill in the blank here, the, the thing my spouse does or does not do that hurts me the most. Right? When you, feel, when you think about the answer to that, think about the language that's behind that hurt or absence, right? Or what does she do? What does she not do? What does he do? What does she not do? Um, right? Um, you know, what have you most often requested by your spouse? Right? What do you keep complaining about? In other words, you know, think about it very often. What a common, you know, I never get any of your attention. You never have any time for me, right? We never go out, we, you know, those things, right? 
I, you know, it's like, then you'll get spouses say, I don't understand, like, you know, I asked you four months ago to change that light bulb. Four months, right? Now, if the mo a common complaint is the task, so then you might think, why is she making such a big deal? Why is he making such a big deal of it? Well, if your love language is acts of service, then when you ask your spouse to do something for you and they don't, it, the only way you can compute that is to say, well, if they loved me, they would do it. Because that's how you try love. It, do, it doesn't, you know, it, 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 it's, like, it's like acts of service, an instinct, you know. I, I'm usually up into our room first, the end of the day, so at night, Devar can come upstairs to our room, and, and she can say, oh, shoot, I forgot my drink, right? I, like, pop out of my bed, usually, depending how tired I am, and I go, she goes, what are you doing? I said, I, you said your drink? She goes, I wasn't asking you to get it, but instinctively, right? She did, forgot her drink, I want to go get her drink. And then she'll say, I wouldn't do that for you, right? I said, oh, that's so beautiful, thank you. <laughs> right, but I'd spend time with you. Oh, well, that's nice, too. Why don't you go get me my drink? She goes, but you have yours up here. I go, still, go get me my drink, right? <laughs> okay, so, you know, it, it helps to be married to somebody who's mature, just by the way. I've been told. Um, so, you know, it's like, again, with the physical touch, if you're a physical touch person, so, you know, I, I just, this is like, hear multiple spouses say that, I just don't understand why my, my husband, my wife, isn't hugging me more. It's a funny thing when you hear them say it, but they're always wanting, that's how they express love, and they love their spouse, and they just, they express that they want to hug, and then at some point, think about the tank being empty. They feel like they're always giving hugs, but they're never giving it back, right? So they stop, right? And then they're wondering, how come it's not coming back? You know, and the reason is, is because, yeah, your spouse isn't thinking about it, right? Because that's not his or her love language. It might be yours, and the only way Right, that they'll know that is if you actually say to them, and in the subsequent meetings we're going to talk about more effective ways to say it, but, but if you think about, let's just use physical touch, in other words, here's a mistake we very often make. Very often when we're frustrated or upset with our spouse, we think that if we can tell them what they're doing wrong with explicit detail, how often they do that, and for how long it's been going on, and in how many areas it actually applies to, and they're like that because of their mother. They're going to say, thank you so much for pointing that out. <laughs> right? No, that's not going to work. You prosecute, you're going to get a defense. Right? The best way to ask your spouse for something is think about asking in a way that makes it the easiest for them to succeed. So I'm going to say the same thing twice. <coughs> right? Example, I would use Lisa. Lisa's husband says, Lisa, you've been so cold recently, you never touch me anymore. What's wrong with you? Now I'm going to say the same exact thing. Lisa, I really miss your touch. I love it when you touch me. It feels like it's been a long time. I just said the same thing twice, right? But the first time, in order for Lisa's husband to get with her, Lisa has to hear something wrong with her. She's cold and the word never. By the way, you say to your spouse, right, you never or you're always, you're never right and you're always wrong unless you actually say to them, you know, you're always breathing and you never stop going to the bathroom. Because <laughs> right? if either of those stop, there's some serious consequences. But you can tell your spouse, you know, you never say anything nice to me. That's not true. In October, I did. <laughs> you tell somebody never, they're going to come up with the exception, right? But more importantly, when you think about the difference between those two ways of expressing something to your spouse, in the first way, Lisa's walking away feeling that her husband is disgusted or disappointed in her. <coughs> you, that's just going to be just the worst feeling for a spouse to have. The second way, Lisa may walk away, may walk away hearing and being in touch with that her husband positively desires her affection. What a beautiful thing, right? 
So that's a, that's a way to ask. So when we talk about doing this, it's, it's, it's something, you know, it's fun when you talk to your spouse and you try to you get it right. But I'm, I'm, I, I usually end this talk before I take questions with, again, just showing my stupidity, right? But showing you, like, again, how it's not natural, right? The concept makes sense, but it takes work for you to learn a new language. And so this is a story that took place, I, I, Devar will know, but because I can tell you that we were doing a renovation in our house and she had just become the president of the mikvah, and so, and it was Arab Rosh Hashanah. So she was, I remember, there was a makeshift table in our living room. She was sitting with one of my older girls. They were trying to get a mailing out for the mikvah before Yontif. She had a bunch of stuff in the oven. She was trying to get out. Our house was upside down, right? And I'm thinking it's Arab Rosh Hashanah. You know what I'm focused on? I'm focused on my ruchnias. That's it. Nobody else's. It's mine. You know, I've got to make sure. That I've got to see my client. I want to make sure I end my client. I see clients at home at night. I want to end my client on time because I want to make sure the last mile of the year that I got them, I got them to the seaboard and I get to show. And it's a sleepless. It's a ridiculous early time. So I want to make sure as soon as my is over, I get home, I get to sleep because I, I don't want to be tired. Ever Who wants to be tired? I mean, right? You want to be focused. And then I'm thinking, wait a minute. All I'm doing is thinking about myself. That's it. Now, wait a minute. Part of my ruchni is part of going into Rosh Hashanah is connecting with my spouse in a loving manner. I said, so, all right, yes, I, I don't want to be tired because nobody wants to be around me when I'm tired, right? I said, so how, what can I do? So I said, I know what I can do. I said, I know what I do. Instead of going right to sleep after Marv, I said, you know what I'll do? It was Shabbos. Like, it was one of those years where Shabbos had just come in Rosh Hashanah. I don't remember what night it was. I said, when I come home, I'll run into the house, and I'll do is I'll clean out all the pots and stuff from the refrigerator from Shabbos and clean it out, wash the stuff, put it away, so that when the food comes out of the oven, Rosh Hashanah, it, she'll be able to just, you know, close it and then have space in the fridge to put it out, and it'll make her night end earlier, and she'll also be able to get to sleep at a normal time, which probably be four hours after me. But I'm saying, but right, different definitions of normal. But I'm saying, but I said, and then I said, hit me like a ton of bricks. I go, what am I, an idiot? That's what I would like. She would, like, I do that. She'd appreciate it, but that's why. I said, okay. So on my way home from Marv, I say, hey, Devorah. I said, I, things have been crazy. The house is upside down. I said, I feel like we haven't connected. I said, do you want to go to Brewster's? And she says, oh, my gosh, that is so sweet. And she hangs up on me. I'm thinking, okay, that good or bad, right? I, you know, house is very close. I pull in. She's in the driveway. She gets in the car. She goes, that is so sweet. That is so nice. I can't believe you asked me to go to Brewster's. So we go to Brewster's. We get out. And then she says to me, when we get there, I said, all right, what do you want? She goes, I I'm not hungry. I said, what do you mean? I'm taking you for ice cream. She goes, well, I figured, you know, with what's going on in our house, there was no way I was making you dinner. So I figured you were hungry. You were getting something to eat. So you asked me to come along. That's so sweet. I said, Devara, after I finished my client, as I'm running through the kitchen, I tasted the roast you're making for Yontif. I'm flashic. I can't have ice cream. So I said, you better get some ice cream. She goes, fine. So she gets a little thing ice cream. We sit for 10 minutes. While she eats her ice cream, we go back in. The next day, I get a text and a call. Aaron, that was so sweet. I can't believe you did that. I know how busy you are. I know how focused you are. I'm getting ready. You focus for Hashanah. That was so nice. That, because her love language is quality time. Now, I just want you to see, in terms of foreign, how we mess up and we miss it. I want you to imagine if the situation was reversed. If I'm sitting at a table, and I'm trying to get a bunch of mailings done, and I'm cooking a million things, OK? And then I'm running this, I'm doing this, and my wife came over to me and said, Aaron, hey, how about, would you like to go to Brewster's? I'd be like, are you blind? <laughs> Do you not see what I have going on here? What is your problem? OK, I maybe might not, I, mean, I don't know, but I'm saying, but you get the sentiment, meaning, she would have been offering love, connecting love in a way, an excellence. And but if that's not my love language, I'm not hearing it. It is not computed because she's not speaking 
my language. So you can start actually getting it by doing that. So those are the five love languages. I, I, I like to give that over. I don't know when this is supposed to finish, how long we're supposed to talk for, but I'd like to stop and open it up for questions if there are any. That's, that actually is not a question. Are there any questions? Yes. sound like? Words and affirmations, right? Meaning you would like to hear and know that she thinks that. And not tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> That's a different problem. <laughs> right, right. That was a brilliant question. <laughs> <laughs> See, he got it faster than I did. Good, very good. Yes, but that, that's it right. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, again, sometimes we could say, you know, it comes out as a complaint, and then the person has to do it. If your spouse tells you, you know, you never tell me I look good. You never, you, know, you never say this. You never tell me that my, this is. You never, you know, and you're like, then it feels like it's not sincere. No, what they're telling you is that it can sound like they're telling you you're doing something wrong. But let's translate. Let's, let's have your spouse learn how to say it differently or say it like this. When I know that you are impressed or appreciate the efforts I make, nothing makes me feel better. Right? It's like, I love it when I know you're impressed with me because your opinion matters to me more than anybody's. That's different than saying you never say, saying no. Knowing that you like and admire or appreciate the things I do is like fuel for me. It makes me feel wonderful. That's a little different than saying you can't say anything nice ever. <laughs> Once? Right. Any questions? Yeah. Yes. Um, Marcy's right. Asking for a friend. <laughs> uh, this is a friend. For a friend. For a friend. No, no. <laughs> You're a good man. What, what if you have the situation where you feel sometimes the love languages shift on you? Yes. Yes. And uh, you, you thought you had it identified, but to shift every once No, actually very good to do this is that as we grow, as we get older, sometimes that can happen. But the truth is when you're married to somebody very righteous and insightful and they realize that it's their job to help you grow and expand your repertoire and be able to, be, to, to show the full scope of, of love languages, so that can very happen. And it's just you should be appreciative and lucky that you have the opportunity to grow and learn more languages. <laughs> what, 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 you're, what Neil is asking is true. You know, it's like sometimes to ask that is like when you say what happens, and then what you're supposed to say is it's not fair. Have a meeting and say right. make up your mind. Just watch. Just, just pick one. <laughs> right. But the truth is, is right. But that's actually part of growth and part of things changing. Right. Sometimes you realize something that you really craved or you liked at a certain point in your life that maybe you've learned a new language and now you're starting to appreciate it's feeling good. So if that occurs, so very often, again. It, it, here's the thing I know about husbands. We're, we'll talk about this more when it's just the men, but you know, is we're really, most of us are wired the same way. All of us just want to succeed, right? We hate it when we feel like we're messing up. And when our spouse is upset with us, all our wires get crossed and, and we panic because we think we're being told we're failing and we hate it and we get defensive and we get wrong and it's an injustice and it's terrible and what is wrong with them? They're crazy. Oh, I'm sorry, I carried <laughs> my, my point is, is that is that it would, you, your spouse wants to know. If your spouse knows you, then she knows you like to succeed. 
And if it shifts, all she has to do is say to you, hey, I know it might be frustrating, maybe there's no way for you to know, but it would mean a lot to me if you recognize what would really make me feel good is this, right? And then you'll do it. You won't mind if it shifts. You just want to be keyed in and not to feel like you fit. Just a clue. That's my whole life. Right. <laughs> She's organized. Why can't you send me a memo? I can do that. Just, just, just. But, the, but, the, I, but you know what I mean? It's like everyone's, like, I, you know, it's like this kind of takes some of the romance or like, you know, the spontaneity. But, but, but like I've literally asked my wife, I'll say sometimes, I say, say, right now I'm actually well rested. I'm in a really good mood and I have about 11 minutes and I would love to show you love in some way. Right? So if you could choose how I'm going to spend that 11 minutes, what would you like? She goes, seriously, seriously. Like, that's what you're asking? I said, yeah, I thought that was a really nice offer. I said, it's only 10 now. <laughs> right? but, but you know what I mean? In other words, it's like in a certain way, sometimes, I mean, okay, that's a little bit, you know, maybe cryptic, but I'm saying it were, you know, too to prescribe. But sometimes, you know, we, we, we think that, like, what's wrong with saying to your spouse, you know, hey, you know, you're important to me, and I know we've been married for a long time, but I may not know where it is. Right? I would love to make you feel loved. Right? So how can I do that? Yeah. But it can shift. It can move. Right? Most people have two. I say that yeah, you can have all, you know, some people say, when I tell them that you, know, you get the husbands and wives say, like me, my spouse has all five, go figure, <laughs> right? They're all nice, right? But usually most of us have two. I would say that there are two that are our primary. Not just one, not one, two, right? You know, and it, it, you know, it's fun to sometimes do research. And sometimes if you're not sure, right? So make it fun, make it something where you tell your spouse, I don't know, let's see if we can figure it out. Okay, yeah. Other questions? Yes? Um, since we know that all men are the same and all women are the same. Of course, that's the way it works. Um, what are the most common ones for men and what are the most common ones for women? I don't know. No. I mean, I, I really. Meaning, what's the most common one for men? I mean, like, I'm trying to think, even if I were to answer that intelligently, like, in my practice, like, with the people I see, or if I think about friends, all I know is this, is this is not just you think in marriages that I see in my office, but when we, you know, I do this in the communities, and, you know, people, all of us who have wonderful, wonderful marriages with the same challenges, everybody, is that very often, you know, people say, wouldn't you think that people with the same love languages would marry each other? Wouldn't that be so much easier? But it just doesn't seem like that happens. Now, either it's because God has a really warped sense of humor, Right, or it's because from a perspective of, of, of our panel, a hashkafic vantage point, I think that there is something to it. I think there is no relationship that forces you to grow and expand like marriage. There is no other relationship where you are required, where it is, and you can't. In other words, you can you can have a great relationship with somebody outside of your marriage, right? But at some point, you can put a limit. You you know you can say, okay, I don't get along with them there. I, you know what I mean? Okay, we get along. I like them, but 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 you can always recede. Right and withdraw with your spouse, it forces you to expand, to grow, and I think that that idea of that very interestingly. So when you see people with different love languages, I don't know. I'd like to think there's a reason for that because it's making us get beyond ourselves and learn about what it means to make another person feel cared for or loved in a way that's not always natural for us, and that can't be a bad thing. We all we're, we only are better off and better people when we accomplish it. There's no question, even if it comes with a lot of, you know, groaning and scraping noises. 
whatever that means. Okay, yeah, so I didn't really answer the question, but I don't know the answer. Yes? Okay, um, I'm still trying to clarify. Oh boy, wow. Well, are you supposed to figure out what your own love language is and then figure out what your spouse's love language is? You mean which order? Uh, not order, because you can do both simultaneously. Sure. Yeah. What's your love language? I don't know. Well, if you, meaning, you know, I mean, I mean, look, when people, well, you guys only have been married for a few years. <laughs> right. So, I mean, get, get, be patient. Give it some time. Right? But, but I mean, um, that, that you, um, Naftali, you want to help them out? Okay, is that wrong? I'm sorry. Okay, we don't want to go there. That's just weird. Okay, right? That, that, um, Somebody, sometimes you could get a spouse who might say, like, what do you mean you don't know? Like, they want you to figure it out. It's fun there. I can feel like it's a big guessing game. Well, it, it's a big guessing game. I mean, it, he likes to play coy. Meaning I'm saying he's like, not going to tell you. But sometimes it's like, if you don't know, you say, here's what it looks like to me. Here's if I had to guess based on dynamics or relationship, am I on the right target? Usually you'll get an answer. Maybe sometimes they don't know. Right? Or maybe they think they're supposed to say, oh, it doesn't matter, whatever you do is great. But, you know, Women sometimes aren't so different than men. They also like to succeed, right? So if you're, you know, it's like the metaphor. Um, if I'm cooking something for Shabbos, if I'm baking something for Shabbos, I'd like it to be something that the people like, not just something I like to make, right? It's similar to when you show love, right? No different than that. So if you're helping your spouse, when you tell them, here's where it is, this, this is what works, right? Just do it with style. But isn't there a prison in the book? That, yes, thank you. So the, in the book, there's a great, there's, I mean, basically it's a bunch of questions where you can take the question and they kind of just put, you know, I, you know, you, you have a question like, I love it, I love my spouse's spontaneous hugs and kisses, or nothing makes me feel more cared for than when my house folds to laundry, right? The next is just a bunch of series of questions where you constantly have to pick which one appeals to you more, and then by the time you've picked a number of those, you know, kind of questions, you, a, a pattern, a sequence is going to come out. So you can take that question, you probably go online and get it, it's in the book, but that, sure, it's a lot of, I mean, that's something that helps too, right? Um, it's, I think it's fun. I mean, part of what we'll talk about in future weeks also is, you know, the idea of, of continuing to learn. You know, one of the, the sweetest things I heard from a, a professor of mine who we had a, he was, um, we used to, at the, at the, once we hit a certain point in our doctor program, we'd have a seminar on consciousness in his home. He was a very philosophical man, and he, he, he'd been married, I don't know, 50 years or something. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's still living. He's just a really fabulous, interesting person. And he once said, you know, he realized his wife's name, I think, was Ma Margaret, or Ma and he said, you know, I've been married to Margaret for so long. He goes, I realized, he said, that I could finish every one of her sentences. He said, we've been married so long, I knew, and I guess I could finish every one of her sentences. And then I realized, if I'm finishing every one of her sentences, how will I ever learn anything new about this beautiful creature I'm married to? He said it with such sincerity, but sometimes, you know, we stop learning about our spouse. And you'd be surprised how often, if you actually take the time and ask your spouse about aspects of their life, things that maybe you haven't talked about, you can learn a lot more about them, and that's a really a beautiful way to stay connected too. But you'd be surprised, and people do evolve. Okay, any other questions? Are, is, I don't know what the time frame is. I, you know, we're good, we're done? Okay, everybody go home. Thank you for coming.
the next one. Yeah. I think we're going to change Are you ready? Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Before texting came out, is there a difference between the written word versus the spoken word on the it's a great I, again I because you might say I love you a million times a day but you write it on a cheesy Hallmark card and they say that like it means something you're 100% right. special right like, and I do think that there's also there's also a difference in like weird itches or something I think certain people are going to really like it because thought out would work but some people want to hear it right.